Hi everybody! Welcome to another episode of Tomorrow Will Be Great. My name is Julia. And I'm Elise. And today we have a very exciting guest with us. She is our first guest on our podcast. We are so thankful she's here today. And today we are talking to G from Malit. Hello. And she designs beautiful bags that we love to carry at the shop and that you guys love as well. I know. They are one of our customers' favorite pieces. One of the ones we carry from hers is this beautiful crossbody. You can wear it a couple ways, actually. I shouldn't define yeah. it just as a crossbody. You can wear it lots of ways. <laughs> it's this little bag. It's called the paper plane sack, and we have it in a lot of different fun leathers. And everyone loves it. She mm -hmm. just introduced a larger size of it, too. And they're all handmade here in Philadelphia by G. And G is here today to talk about her design process, how she started, and all the fun things included in being a bag maker. Anything yeah. that might be interesting and I am, first of all, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. This is first time I've ever done the podcasting recording. So, you know, this is, I mean, I'm sure there are just a lot more people out there more interesting than me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, That's true. I appreciate this opportunity to be part of this project. So do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about your line and how you got into doing bags and how maybe it's evolved and what you've been doing? Because you have a couple few, you call them additions, right? Yes. And so you have a couple different additions that feature different bags or different takes on bags. Mm -hmm. I think I would like to start by saying that it's been really kind of interesting experience working for myself, creating my own brand. Because I think it's just kind of restructured the way I live and the way I view my life as well. It, it, they are currently very uh, interconnected life and work at the moment and that's kind of how what I was looking to have by starting my own brand because that way well prior to Malit if I can just kind of give you a little bit of background story of myself prior to Malit that I have worked for other corporations and as a designer for for a long time for more than 10 years you know it's any experience is good thing, you know, I wouldn't say that was, I mean, it was challenging in many ways, but I think I learned a whole lot about working in the bigger, sort of bigger corporation with, you know, align yourself with their goal and collaborating with other people in the team. Were you and, working with leather bags specifically for your work before or yeah. were you doing other parts of the fashion industry? Um, I think I've been just mainly really working in ex with accessories. Accessories, yeah. yeah. I've done handbags, shoes, and um, some of the men's handbags. No, I shouldn't call it a man's handbag. <laughs> Man, Man bags. Man bags, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, overall it's been great experience because, you know, they you get to travel a lot and I got to visit factories overseas and you know, get really like hands-on experience. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. But I also have to mention though, you know, because, you know, do you remember the time when people were looking for the eat bag, you know? Yes. Like, yeah. And also like some apparel brands that would like to cash in, like they want to make, uh, let's just say they're struggling with their own business and they wanted to create an accessory line so that they can have like successful business <laughs> so you know that was that sort of time in the past and you know we were my job was to create a lot of different styles they're attractive 
and so it can, they can sell well, however, with a really high profit margin. So it's always been, you know, kind of, you know, you learn to kind of learn how to sort of cut corners with your mm-hmm. designs and, you know, you sort of learn to not taking things personally during the process. Yeah. So you might come up with a design and then someone might come in and say, oh, let's take this part away yeah. because it will cut the cost a little bit. Like yeah. a pocket on the inside or how the edges are done or things like that. Exactly. Like say, you know, the whole concept was about pockets, let's just say, you know, mm-hmm. external pockets. I wanted to have like a lot of pockets outside because it's, you know, it's interesting looking. But it's just going to be too expensive to have all that detail. So then, you know, other part of the team will come in and say, you know, this is probably, we should probably just, you know, change this into more uh, singular, you know, pocket design bag or uh, something else. Or let's just scratch the whole idea, make it into a, I don't know, maybe a clutch. <laughs> <laughs> Take that strap away. Yeah. Um, things like that. But, you know, after a while, you know, it's, you just go through that and then I kind of reached the point where that was just, you know, I needed to kind of reset. Mm-hmm. I needed to see. You just wanted to revisit, like, the, the reason of me wanting to become a designer mm-hmm. from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and so in order for me to do that, I needed to kind of, you know, broke out. So uh, And just to gain back some time and space for myself to, yeah. to work on my own. Yeah. And that's kind of how I started Malit. And Malit currently is... Um, it's a small operation. It's a, you know, handmade, handbag brand. I'm just going to step back a second and ask you a quick question about the time when you were working for other companies versus now since you were talking about the products you were making. How many products do you feel like you would be asked to design or work on in a given season versus how many you do with your own line now? Mm. Like the time difference. Yeah, it's really a lot versus little small um you know when it's all based on the company because you know i have worked for different companies uh and they they all demand different things uh, but i would just roughly you know it's like like 40 40 so some company that i work for they i my responsibility was to create like 40 to 50 styles and that was just you working on that one style or were other people coming Uh, in and i would be in charge you'd be in charge of that yeah and 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 specking that's just you know concepts sketches and specking but i wouldn't be making them were you doing maybe just i know we know what we're talking about but were you doing a lot of that work on the computer then like in what they call a tech pack like all the cad drawings Mm. or actually no because I've, I've actually I've done a lot of I've always done things with my hands so sketching rough sketches were all done by hands mm-hmm. to start with it goes through like before prior to that I'll start with mood images always mm-hmm. and so a bunch of images that inspire me and I'll create some kind of there from there like I start editing you know visually and create kind of cohesive ideas like visually start sketching whole lot um just you know rough sketches and redefine redefining in and redefining it and it, to a point where if you, they start to appeal to me and as and they are actually clear designs and you know then you will then after that you'll have to meet with a bunch of people 
go through meetings mm-hmm. to get them approved. Uh, several stages. Oh, okay. yeah. So you'd show them all your sketches and you'd present a present series them. of designs mm-hmm. and they'd kind of pick from those and then you'd take then, it to the next level. Exactly. And then I'll take them, the whatever the, the styles that are selected from the, that point, I would uh, get into details like specs. Specs also were done all by my you know hand. Some some aided by you know computers because I like to spec some things that you know technical things with a uh, Illustrator or Photoshop and things like that. So it's a combined, mm-hmm. but more majority of work was done by hand. How does that compare with the amount of products that you put out for Malit in a given edition? Yeah. It's a lot le- less now, right? It's a like lot. It's a on... lot less and um, a lot more edited. I mean, yeah. you know, it's when the entire process is up to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't take that for granted because mm-hmm. you know you question every single process and like every single decision that you make because you're not really relying on anybody else's approval you basically have to go through process of your sort of internal edition <laughs> and then you know is this the design that you really like to make you know you and then once that's you spend a whole lot of time with that and then and then even after that then you just really have to stay committed to it <laughs> Because, you know, as you know, hand-making process takes long time. Mm-hmm. And like anybody, you know, like human, it's a human nature. When things are, it's hardship comes. When things yeah. are hard, then your mind starts to wander. And it's very easy to just kind of drop it and move on to something else. And, you know, this is actually one of those things that I want to mention that doing my own, own bread told me a lot about just stay in the course. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, only way to know whether this was a good idea or not is to actually get to the finish line. <laughs> That's a very good point. Because it's like no way of knowing it um, and no one else is going to pick it up for you. <laughs> like I'm sewing this, you know, hole by hole. Like it takes a long time mm-hmm. and it almost takes manic level of concentration and you just have to, you know, kind of stay committed to it. I know um, for me when I would go to sew something... I probably wouldn't do as many sketches. I, I'm more like gonna just go for it. And I would have so many, I don't even know if I could call them samples because sometimes <laughs> parts would be way longer than yeah. other parts and I can't even cut them out or something. Do you ever get part of the way through after you've made your pattern and you're actually physically making the first leather mm. sample and you realize you have to tweak something oh, part yeah. of the way through? A lot of times, you know. So now, you know, everything is done in house. So. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it's a really time-consuming process. And, you know, a lot... I try not to... I try not to get stuck in the middle of the process because I think it's important to kind of have a certain sense of flow. So the process... And maybe I can talk a little bit more about the process. Yeah, I think Molly. people would love to hear about your whole yeah. process. Yeah, because um, at least to me, I've you both have worked in leather, but I've never worked in leather. And it seems kind of like a rather expensive medium to just go all mm. in and... I think similarly to Julia, I would just go all in and then end up with a giant <laughs> hodgepodge mess of things. Oh but yeah, your pieces are always very clean and sophisticated. Like focused. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just have to go through a lot of process before, <laughs> you know, final pieces. And I've also made a lot of like test samples, you know, mm-hmm. just to even okay. So before I start making things, prior to Malia, I was primarily working as a designer, so I didn't really have actual training in making part of it so when I decided to get it get my hands 
hands in with making a brand of handmade bags is is very quite challenging in many ways. But one of the big challenges was to like learn how to make things. It wasn't a big in a way, but I just kind of think back now because you know I have uh, I went to school for art. Mm -hmm. I majored in sculpture, so I I am used to having studio and. Making things with my hands and and create three dimensional yeah three dimensional yeah. pieces. Uh, so it wasn't it wasn't dramatic shift, but definitely there are some things you know I needed to kind of figure it out as I go. And but you you know you like going back to what you ask. It's I mean you do a lot of test samples mm -hmm. um, with sub materials of course, and I start by sketches. You know that's actually it gives me a chance to edit before before even I start cutting things, mm -hmm. you know? And visually just kind of start editing by sketching it out. So it's, it gives me a chance to kind of get things from my head to actualizing on the paper, mm -hmm. right? So you see the shape and this is the design that I want to create. Once that's kind of started, I get feel comfortable with that. Then I move on to actually making things with uh, paper. It's really quite nice because sometimes I, well, I still do draw full pattern with a computer. It helps me to get clean lines and kind of see the shape prior to getting into, you know, actual, actual making process. And so I create my own pattern and then I print them out, cut them out and doing an origami a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, making a little paper mock-up. So that gives me an opportunity to see the proportion and you know, shape that I, if this is the right size. And mm -hmm. size is really important for bags because more than you think, it's like people would just turn away from it because, oh, this is this flap is a little bit too long or, you know, gusset is too deep or I, I don't like things that are just sticking out mm -hmm. too much. Yeah. and. I know, and these days people have so many things they want to put in bags. They mm -hmm. have more gadgets mm -hmm. and phones, and the phone sizes keep yeah. changing. Yeah. And then they want to know if their iPad or their laptop will fit in whatever the thing is. Right. I don't know if you get asked things like oh, yeah. that all the time. Because oh. I used to get asked that when I was doing it more all the time. Like, will my 13-inch MacBook from, you know, 2008 fit yeah. this? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know what size that is anymore. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. For sure. But that's maybe part of the reason why I didn't really get into like technology accessories. Yeah, <laughs> because, uh, yeah. It just changes, changes too all the fast time. so much. And yeah, also it's a little bit too literal for me. <laughs> so then uh, after paper model, and I move on to like first prototype with using soft materials. It could be leftover leather or it could be fabric. So that it gives me, that process gives me an opportunity to like figure out like assembly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a. The seam is the right place, uh, you know, should I sew it inverted or raw seam or three lines and meeting up in one corner? Is like, am I going to be able to sew it right? Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Uh, am I capable of doing it? <laughs> I know that's one thing for me with leather came that came up a lot. Yeah. And when I started working, up, working with a factory, they helped me a lot where I needed to split the mm. leather, which means you kind of thin it in certain areas. And... I would do what G was talking about, yeah. where I would be like, can my four pieces of leather come together at this point? Like, can I actually physically even sew it with my hand or with a machine? Yeah. And, 
the leather won't go through the machine and you'll break your needles and I've done that a million times yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's definitely a consideration point when you're making it I'm yeah, sure yeah for sure the only way to know is actually doing it because yeah. you can't really these the actual pieces and material tactile things you just have to make it to know unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so then I make like final pieces mm-hmm. after all that and then that, at that point you know I'm pretty confident this is this is this is it mm-hmm. <laughs> and I spend time like finishing up nicely mm-hmm. and edge painting and things like that yeah and, and you also yeah. use you carve your yeah. own wax and then have it cast oh, yeah. hardware for yeah. your bags too, which is a really nice touch. I've been enjoying doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, again, I don't have jewelry making training, yeah. <laughs> but this is one of those things that maybe it's you know my sculpture sculpture background yeah. is, comes in handy here. One of the one of the things that I really do not like <laughs> the bags that are out there that are. The hardware oftentimes are um, purchased from the market and they look very disintegrated from the design yeah. itself and it changes the aesthetic of the bag completely. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I just, not even, the, one of the reasons why I don't even use zippers mm-hmm. or nor, um, you know, exposed magnets because this certain it comes it has a certain um certain sense of uh say what is this? it's like <laughs> it's kind of tacky unique. i don't know yeah. if there's too much hardware happening mm-hmm. i think yeah for me i know we think the same way about leather bags yeah that we don't like a lot of hardware and the hardware there is there we really want it to be really like special. good special yeah. hardware if it's gonna be there yeah that too but i think there's like sometimes when you see um Zipper is not a bad thing at all. It's very actually practical, mm-hmm. you know? But sometimes when you see these metal pieces that are prefabricated mm-hmm. against, like, surface of leather, or just there's certain... I, I get a little bit of... They just don't seem quite fitting in for some mm-hmm. reason. It may be just me. Yeah, like I, it doesn't match. Yeah. It doesn't... Yeah, maybe it's because they're prefabricated that it just there are like millions of other same looking mm-hmm. zippers out there maybe yeah. I don't, but by all means zippers are not bad <laughs> it's really the one of the practical thing that it has been invented you know for humankind because you can you know close things and then zip it and it's very fast and, well that's why I think we love your hidden magnet yeah. closures a lot it's just yeah. and it's so it's easy it's, it's also the little clunk yeah. like <laughs> but it's not like you're gonna scratch because sometimes when it's the I don't know what the name is. The metal ones that have like the little click and it goes into the little like, divot. Yeah. Little like, bump out. Yeah. yeah. Like you can scratch your own bag just like trying to close it. Or sometimes that gets really hard and then you try and open it. Like I had a bag that I tried to open it and I ripped out the other side of the magnet. Oh. And so then I just Oh, because they have those prongs. Yeah, the prongs back, that are set in like And that. they go, well, you can't yeah. see my fingers everywhere oh, yeah. <laughs> right now. But imagine two parallel fingers in the Yeah. <laughs> And then there's a metal prong, and they both fold yeah. to the center of the magnet. And it's like a stapled. I should have yeah, said there's, it's a stapled. Yeah, like stapled in. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously, I mean, it was actually my camera case. So it's really inconvenient that my camera case doesn't <laughs> close anymore. And I've been in the market for a new one, but I'm lazy. So I haven't found one. Hint, hint, hint. Yeah. Hint, hint. <laughs> camera bag. Good camera bags. <laughs> mm. Let me know, or if, gee, you want to design a camera bag. I've been asked to design one oh, before. Oh, really? Yeah, I've They're actually have designed Big. Before. Yeah, I again it goes into like technical mm-hmm. part of the whole thing that you you have to come up with the right kind of padding. Yeah. 
compartment size has to be pretty precise mm -hmm. but it's hard to know what camera size yeah. that you will be needing it for because there's just so many different variety mm -hmm. yeah and now cameras are getting smaller yeah because they were getting so big, big and now yeah. everybody's and then, like shrinking. sony i yeah. know you were sony's like i got not to you. get on a tangent but elise was yeah. telling me about a camera the mirrorless a really tiny camera yeah. where people are professional photographers yeah. but they, they won't want to use them but they won't use them yeah. and then they'll try to use them and people won't take them seriously that they're professional because yeah. it looks like a so, toy camera yeah so it's um sony has a mirrorless so the cameras are missing a massive component so they're so small they're like a point and shoot size with a professional lens on it so now they look really dweeby because <laughs> they're small but they're just as powerful if not better than the big cameras, but you know, that I think people t are moving to the mirrorless. So, because my issue is that camera bags tend to be really ugly. They're either really ugly or they're really expensive. So that's just something that I've noticed and why I haven't bought it. Because my bag probably broke three or four years ago, and I mean I've dropped my camera in the bag and it's almost fallen out, which would have been terrible because dropping a camera is not good. Right. It, again, it's like the technology; it's changing. So you might design this bag for a normal DSLR, and then all of a sudden everyone's camera is a third the size and they don't need to carry this big bulky bag yeah and so then and that'd be that's why it's it? so hard to be a bag designer yeah for tech stuff yeah i feel like even not tech stuff because i feel like now people also are carrying external batteries for their phones so you don't only have to fit the phone you got to fit the phone the the battery, external battery the charger the, charger, the wallet we the just keys. carry a lot of stuff these yeah. days well, I mean, would you rather want to carry a backpack no, I think, well, for a camera bag, I normally would have a backpack with me already, mm. so I couldn't do two backpacks. Oh, you could wear another yeah. one in the front. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I you was, don't carry quite as many bags as you used to, at least. You yeah. used to have, like, 20 bags on yeah. you. I know, I have, like, <laughs> two bags on each hand. Yeah. We are segueing a little bit, yeah. but this just goes into a little bit, like, I know for us too, like, people will ask us, even for bags we make, for bags that we're carrying from other people, they always want to know about, can I fit Stuff. X inside? Yeah. So, yeah. Unlike a piece of clothing where people mm -hmm. aren't concerned about it yeah. fitting an like, external item yeah. into their clothing. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. That sounds weird, maybe, but... I mean, like, I guess other than a phone, people aren't really storing yeah. much... I mean, like, women who tend to then carry bags, which is a thing. I don't know if it's good you or bad. You mean, like, women carry carrying more purses. bag purses. So, like, well, it men matters have less. Pockets, yeah. And so which I'm jealous of. Yeah. Okay. So well, that's do you think that women's, women's clothing don't have enough pockets? I think that the pockets aren't deep enough a lot Usually? of the time. Yeah. yeah. I, or, I mean, our designers, I think, here are pretty good about making more functional pockets. But whenever yeah. I've gone shopping, I feel like like if you went to J. Crew and tried yeah. on jeans or something, your I fingers... feel like the pockets like go halfway up yeah. your hand or something. And it's because it's supposed to be more flattering. Flattering, so you show more of your curves or yeah. whatever. Or on the front so you don't get all lumpy. Lumpy. This is interesting because I've yeah. been thinking a lot about unisex bags like what does that mean right yeah because like this expectation that people have from how women should look mm -hmm. like going back to the pocket size because yeah. it seems a little silly to yeah. not to put a deep pocket because it will make your hip bigger yeah but that's what happens <laughs> yeah. all the time i feel like i saw someone recently who was saying that they didn't want to put a pocket in a jersey seam dress or something because they thought it would make okay. the hip look bigger. Well, it's yeah. like, it's all, I feel like that's not really functional because if you put a phone well, in it, then your, your dress, dress like drops on the sides. But I just think yeah. people are le very I think, cognizant. Yeah. The way that society has been rolling is people were defined by what they wear a lot of times. You know, like you're a woman, so you wear this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Men, you wear more pants and. 
suits and that's no longer the case anymore, you know? Because I feel like there's, this is a totally off topic from what we were talking about before, <laughs> but <laughs> I just think it's interesting because, you know, like more, more open you are, like you will have, I think it's just the way it, the future is, like it would, everything will blend mm -hmm. a little bit more. We've had a guy come in and try on the um, paper plane bag. Actually, I've yeah. sold a couple to guys. Because it's, it's practical. It's, it, it's practical yeah. and it's versatile, and I don't see it being yeah. a certain... And not to throw my one person wonderful another. brother under the bus, but he loses stuff all the time. <laughs> like, if he just had a bag or something, he probably wouldn't lose his keys. He's probably lost his key three or four times. And so, love you, yeah. Adam. But maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a good direction to move in, is that just because he's a dude doesn't mean he should keep losing his keys because they fall out of his pocket. I don't yeah, think. my husband does that too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just lost my keys this oh, morning. They were in the couch, <laughs> like they fell down under a cushion, <laughs> and I blame Jesse. Like, yeah. It's your fault. Isn't yeah. that funny though? Like, why don't they wear bags? Is that like no? I don't know. Jesse just has such big pockets in his yeah. coat, in his pants pockets. <laughs> they like go down go to down his forever. knee almost. I feel yeah, like. and I'm like, I can't. I know. What is the, how this goes to here? <laughs> yeah. And like now I have like a giant phone. So I know, really and the phones are in. getting bigger. So yeah. mm -hmm. if you, we used to have like the Nokia phones or whatever, the brick phones. The little flip phones. Oh, See, I, those could fit in flip phones. Yeah. Or the Motorola Razor flip phone. It's so interesting, like the way we're talking about like how to carry things. You know? Yeah, like, that's like interesting. The body thing. is just, you know, it's, it's the inspiration for all this. Like, you know, mm -hmm. like you think about it's everything is here like hands like how do you how do you put your where you put your things and then where do yeah. you when you go and uh, you I, I wanted to design bags that are, can be worn really close to the, to the body mm -hmm. because so that way your hands are more free yeah. um, and if I can talk a little bit about um, the naming process yeah, yeah. Or the brands and uh, the editions of yeah like those that maybe those who have been or haven't been on G's website, you'll notice that she does all of her bags in editions, and she'll name them too, and name each the of the bags, N the name bags. the edition and yeah. the bags. Yeah. yeah. So now she can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so I decided to do editions uh, instead of collection for specific. Se so they are not seasonal. That way, I can editions are driven by concept each edition will have name associated with the concept. The way that I do it is to, I usually start with like visual images, but Enzo, for instance, when I was working for that, uh, to create that edition, I was looking at a lot of images, dancers' images. Pina Bosch, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her work, and she's a modern dancer and just beautiful beautiful uh, pieces and her the way she moves her body and the way she creates the line within the space is just very inspiring so I was you know looking at all those pictures that from her performance and stage you know the piece dance pieces that she created they looked just so free their hands were the limbs are so liberated from their body and they're heavily trained of course their body is complete control <laughs> the way that they can move their arms and legs in a certain way without any restrictions it just kind of got me thinking about the way to design the bags that are not restricting mm -hmm. to wear and go around and enzo is in japanese it's actually 
brush stroke circle drawn at once without interruption. It represents the importance of being in, in the moment. I don't know if it all makes sense to you, yeah, but this, yeah, is, no, this is kind of uh, how everything kind of evolved and come together and paper plan was actualized based on that. Concept. Based on that idea. Yeah, yeah just yeah. being able to move freely and yeah. be in the moment. Yeah. And not worry about your back knocking over something. Losing things. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. I mean, that's how I, I, I have two of G's bags yeah. <laughs> and I that's how I feel in the moment like I don't have to worry yeah. about anything because everything is right there in the center wherever I'm yeah. wearing it and I can have two hands free to do whatever mm -hmm. I want so I can definitely feel that coming through for sure yeah I'm hoping they're like memorable the names and yeah, oh, yeah. they're iconic and maybe has some texture and you know visual as well so yeah. that it would stick with you yeah, and I know you share sometimes some of that inspiration imagery on Instagram. Yeah. Kind of. I think I've seen some of dancers before, and maybe it was her or some other people yeah. too, or some things like that. Yeah. Martha Graham is another dancer that I was just... Her pictures are everywhere, and it's just really inspiring person. She said something really interesting, if I can remember this correctly. She <laughs> said that dancers wear their body as a garment. And, you know, it's their first garment, and it will be also the last garment to wear. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. That's, really, that's, really, that's really pretty. But yeah. sad, but pretty. Yeah. That is, yeah, because it's a tool. Like, your body it's is a tool. tool. Yeah. Everyone's body, you know, regardless if you're an artist or designer or maker. I think it's also a good to remember then to take good care of yeah. your body, which I think when you work hard or something, mm -hmm. it's hard to... Mm. Yeah, but it sort of extends the idea of like designing, like for clothing, for instance. It's kind of, there's something interesting about that. You know, it's designing to sort of protect your body. And I don't know, I think it's, it's not so much about status, you know, what you wear. Like mm -hmm. brand or name of brand. But, you know, it has a, certainly it has that power. Clothing definitely have that power to give you that status instant status but like if you can wear your body as a garment you don't need that status right yeah, yeah. exactly you can kind of just wear what makes you most comfortable yeah, right. and not worry about how anyone else perceives you or anything like that and i can relate that to for making handbags because um it is it has to be stay on your body bags or you know this extension of you you know, you put things and you go places, but it is should be sort of as as well. It can be integrated into your body. Eventually, I think I would consider that as a good design. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on that. You know, there are ways things to improve. <laughs> do you dance at all? Too, I don't. Do anything I don't. Like that? I just like looking at them. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're very just inspiring. You know, the line they create with their body is just you know incredible. I do I do a lot of yoga, mm -hmm. so I mean they're not in my mind they're a little bit related. Yeah. Uh, because you make shapes with your body, mm -hmm. and you train yourself to like you practice. I shouldn't use the word train, but in, in yoga, it's you practice every day to to have to create this better shape, you know. And you sort of learn to kind of fit yourself into that shape, and you, the more you do it, you get close. What else? Do you want to talk about leather? Yeah, we can talk about leather. Were you sure that when you started and you were like, I'm going to do my own line now, did you know right away leather was going to be the material you wanted to work with? Or were you working in, with trying a few different ones? I knew I knew I was comfortable with the leather mm -hmm. the most. 
I was focusing on leather. Yeah. From the beginning, well, which leather? I wasn't clear about that. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, first, I did some trial, you know, styles with first, very first uh, bag that I designed. I actually started with over factory overseas because it was, I went there, I took that route because that was the way that I know mm-hmm. the most because that's the way, I, you know, where my, all my training training was and so I took that Roth but um, it didn't the result wasn't really what I was looking for Mm -hmm. so I quickly decided that I'm just gonna change from here and pivot yeah what was that initial design more like was it It in a very different direction it was more complicated design was it like the one that was a structured bag with a soft bag inside yeah yeah it's called deposit satchel those are pretty (laughs) (laughs) people people still reach out for that and asking if I have them available and some people ask me if I can make that in vegetarian leather (laughs) that's actually you know I've been asked by a couple people you know and and, um, there I am like sitting down and trying to explain why I can't really and that's quite complicated to explain you know um, I'm sorry what was your question oh it was just (laughs) how you picked leather oh, yeah. rather than canvas or wax canvas, wax canvas yeah, or canvas. nylon, I don't know. <laughs> Other things bags can be made out of. Yeah, so leather, it's a natural material. Regardless, you know, there you could take, you could go with chrome tan leather or you could you could go with vegetan leather, mm-hmm. which you have experience with working with mm-hmm. vegetan leather mostly, right? I, I've done both yeah. a bit. If I start again, I'd rather have a little bit more veg tan just because I think the more stiffness there is, the lighter the bag can be because then the leather doesn't have to be as thick. I think I've talked to you about this before. Like, <laughs> there's one wallet we make or some things where... Actually, Elise and I were having yeah. this discussion yesterday about yeah. how when I, was, I did a few trade shows with my bags, people would come up a lot because I was lining them and... I was using a chrome tan leather. They, everyone was saying they were very heavy, but what it had... chrome tan versus veg tan? It has oh, to... Yeah. Uh, at after, least after just asked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> chrome no. tan is, is a, tan, it's a t- tanning process. It uses a lot of chemical. And what happens with that leather, chrome tan, is, is um, it makes the leather very supple. It gets softer, like drapey, and some are very, very smooth. Or... You've also seen a lot of like emboss leather, like cloth, exotic yeah. uh, imitations. It's very heavily covered. The surface is, is no longer natural. Mm. So that provides protection from scratch or, you know, weather. Yeah. yeah. But it is considered to be very, very bad for environment. You know, I'm not going to say chrome tan is like all bad because it's, it gives you... I mean, it creates different kind of hand feel. Mm-hmm. Versus vegetan is is tan by the ingredients from nature. You know, mm-hmm. some are bark, some are chestnut, <laughs> all those things that you can find from nature. And mm-hmm. so it is more organic, and it, it surface is not as uh, as protected as as much as uh, chrome tan. It's naked surface, so it is easy to it scratches easily. Mm-hmm. It's sensitive to sun and mm-hmm. light. But it's, it has a beautiful hand feel. It ages in time, just like our skin. It's just, you know, it's beautiful. It also has a, um, 
like you were saying earlier about this self-structure yeah. it, it is self-structured so you don't need to have you know when you assemble bags you don't need to try to structure the leather mm-hmm. uh, by putting in under layers a lot of backing materials underneath yeah like, for those who don't know if you have a super soft supple bag a lot of the times there's going to be I guess I'll just call it interfacing of some kind where there's other things in between the lining yeah. or the leather and it's usually some kind of artificial material like I don't know what that stuff is called there's a I have something very specific in my mind right now it's not felt it's like thinner than felt and it's kind of you mean like transparent a, or I is don't it, know is it interfacing it's just interfacing. is it just interfacing it's okay like yeah. but it's like a thicker feltier interfacing yeah so is veg tan inter- inherently deaf it is it is stiff mm-hmm. um it has it comes with that's kind of a good quality and bad quality mm-hmm. yeah exactly. um it, it, you know if you work around it like it's it could you could create a pretty interesting structured bag mm-hmm. um so that's why you see a lot of vegetarian leather bags that are quite more structured you mm-hmm. know out there you also have the opportunity i know you started doing this recently is you can wet mold vegetable tan leather which is if you have a a form it could be a wooden form or a plastic mold you can soak the leather and drape it on top of that form and let it sit and harden and it will harden in that shape yes leather becomes almost like a fabric it's really interesting to when you wet the leather it becomes really really soft it observes water like sponge and then at that point it's like really fluid and yeah so yeah you can definitely mold the leather you can wet it and and mold into a shape that you want and it hardens as, as it dries so it keeps the shape by itself pretty well and it's so beautiful the vegetarian leather is uh it takes a lot of water to tan like yes. a lot mm-hmm. more um than you think less yeah. chemical but a lot more yeah. water so you just kind of have to pick pick, your pick and pick choose your, yeah. yeah you know overall just you just need to like be conscious about what you what you decide on mm-hmm. using it and just only you know buy the amount that you mm-hmm. need and like just don't waste because yeah. that's basically yeah. what it comes down to it right yeah. Um, yes. And yeah. So there's different leathers you can work with, and yeah. some each has its pros and cons. I know, for me, when I I forget what leather it was, but I wanted to work with a lot of creams and white leathers, mm-hmm. and you run into this thing if the leather isn't chrome, people get upset if it gets water on it really easily and it yeah. leaves a mark. So it's like sometimes I think consumers want tan leather that yeah. will maybe go back into the environment more easily but they also don't they want it to be this pristine almost mm-hmm. plastic covered leather that will never have anything yeah. happen to it so i think the leather having choosing a byproduct leather is important mm-hmm. you know it's uh so it's like the comes from a farm it's their animals are bred to be used for something else and then mm-hmm. they die and then that becomes a leather then you make that into a bag and cycle getting into the cycle that's yeah. kind of the key i think in the end and um it, it it's a big like i said sustainability it's a big idea there's a many different mm-hmm. way to approach it and choosing right material for your work is it's it's not easy no. you know there's many different factors to consider just 10 mostly I think it's because it gives me a flexibility of that molding or uh, I 
haven't done it yet, but carving, uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's creatively very interesting to me. And also it feels like it's more natural, meaning that it, it tends and it scratches as you wear it. And, and I think it sort of fits into our life cycle mm -hmm. better than chrome and where the you know surface that it never changes yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem like it's a natural fit another thing i like is the you can eliminate structures that goes under the bag to to create the shape by using chrome chrome pen leather because yeah, that's exactly. actually that itself is a lot of waste as well yeah so and it also makes the bag lighter yeah, exactly. Without all that. Yeah, because yeah, your leather ended up having to be really thick. Yeah, my leather yeah. I had to use had to keep it really thick in order to have it have any structure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's why we've been like. Because Julia did not to... want a slouchy bag. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, but they're still end up being slouchy There's a little bit slouch, anyway. But it yeah. worked fine for smaller things, I yeah. think. But I, mean, I think for like the wallets and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, the bags. I mean, they are a bit heavy. Yeah, it'd be interesting if you did them now in veg tan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But drapey bags, I, I've always wanted to do more drapey bags myself, but it, it's just kind of at the moment, because I've decided to stay with the vegetarian, yeah. it's really kind of impossible to do it. What else do you want to... Oh, what I was going to ask you is, do you want to talk about the machines you use a little bit? Like, machines? Like, like um, um, for sewing, and like you do hand sewing, yeah. and then you use some industrial sewing machines. Yeah. I don't know what kind of industrial you use, like a poster... A flatbed. Yeah, or... I use um, I use two machines. One is flatbed, and the other one is cylinder. Could you explain what the difference between those two things are? Because I sure. don't think because leather is very specific, especially a bag, because you have to like get in corners. It's the corner thing, really. Mm -hmm. It's three dimensional. That well, there's a cylinder machine. There's a post machine. That's like it comes with a really really long post that you can sew things three three dimensionally. On the base of the bag or you can kind of flip your bag upside down and then you can sew it through the post <laughs> on top of the post uh, I don't have you know machine working with machines are interesting because um, they are designed for specific things but it's not too clear in the beginning what part of your design bag should be used with what machine that mm. you should be mm -hmm. using for and only way to know is to, you when you actually have pieces cut and you start sewing it, you have to kind of try to think about things like three dimensionally. For me, like I do a lot of like flat things on the flat. It's pretty literal, but it's like a pocket, something that can be you can put on the top of the table and then sew it through. It gives you an idea. It's pretty like two two pieces together sandwiched on top of each other and you can sew it through. And the cylinder machine that I have is for um, corners of the bag that to say if I wanted to make bucket bag for mm -hmm. instance and um, you have a the base that it's round mm -hmm. and you have the side pieces that are in folded up and it would be a flat piece right so you would have to seam those things together mm -hmm. and you need a machine to do that right so that's that's the kind of a cylinder you can use to do but certain things that I don't have machine for and I don't I try not to design things that I can't really make. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's the thing about leather. It's a limiting material in yeah. that you can only make as many things with it as you have the machines for. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like if you, I haven't really been to, let's just say, a mass facility or 
I don't know, LV, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of places, I'm sure they will have very sophisticated... Everything you could imagine that you ...machines need. that you can do, and, you know, they would probably need a very little amount of human effort to mm-hmm. make perfect stitches, you know? <laughs> um, but for me, it's like, I just, you know, what you gotta do is to just work with limitations, mm-hmm. you know, come up with solutions within those limitations. But some of the designs that I like to do, though, what's interesting to me is to kind of combine hand-sewn, hand-making, mm-hmm. hand-stitching with the machine stitches. The reason why I do that is uh, I think some details, it saves time if you do a machine stitch, mm-hmm. for sure. And that, hence, the pricing of the bag will be a little less. Say, if I wanted to like stitch the entire bag, right? Um, then that takes, it's going to take a lot longer to assemble the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And so then I will have to regenerate the pricing accordingly, which is, you know, this idea of this market that I was targeting. And uh, I didn't want to, they're not per se, they're, they shouldn't be like luxury pricing. <laughs> That's kind of how I balance things, you know? Yeah, there's so many things to take into consideration. Yeah, yeah. How do you hand sew leather? I assume it's not just like normal. So you just kind of like you have holes and then you use, I have, um, I use a main, it's a thread, um, wax thread from main mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's very durable, it's polyester and so you have hand needles and just do it, I don't know, like it just, just through like pre-punched, <laughs> pre-punched holes. Yeah, pre-punched holes and you just do one at a time. That takes, uh, sounds like. It's a lot of work yeah. and it takes a long time. Yeah, it does. But after a while, you just kind of get into the rhythm and um, could be actually meditative too. <laughs> yeah, I find hand stitching to be that way. Yeah. I don't. You don't? No. <laughs> well, I think maybe I could see leather being more because it can yeah. be a little more precise. The yeah. fabric's so wiggly that yeah. it's not as satisfying if you pre-punch your holes. Yeah. So they sell... There's a lot of ways to punch your holes. You can use an awl... They sell these little like multi prong punches so the holes are evenly spaced and yeah. you can do that. Or I guess if you have a die that's cutting your leather, maybe your die is cutting out the holes too. Or if you're using a laser cutter, it can cut out the holes. So there's a lot of ways to cut leather. Yeah. So the other day, G posted a really great quote that I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was talking about film more, but it was really applicable to any kind of designer or someone who's a maker of any kind, and that there's two kinds of filmmakers or designers in life, ones that they really grow and they want to make big films, but maybe it's not as true to their heart and original visions, or people that kind of grow slower and more organic. And I just wanted to ask you how you felt, if if at all that applies to your practice or what you've decided to do from switching how you work as a designer. Yeah, so... That quote was, it was interesting to me, it was actually written by 10th grader, you know, very intellectual young woman (laughs) from New York. It was about anthology film archives based in New York, and she obviously is an indie film enthusiast, and she was, it was about importance of keeping indie film alive, keep on providing the platform for them to be able to showcase their films and stay connected with the audience that way. And 
also she raised a question about I thought it was a very interesting question about why do indie, indie filmmakers decide to stay within indie film industry versus just spend their time to get involved with the big budget films you know, blockbuster films and whether would you if you were given options or choices to make would you what direction would you like to take? That's basically what the article was about. And it got me thinking about us, you know, like me, just staying, having my own brand, doing something, trying to create this indie, indie brand and working on it for the last five years. And at times, you know, it's challenging in many ways, you know, financially keep it afloat and definitely comes across you know many times like well, should I maybe it's time to stop and move back into a corporation you know maybe why not and is this something that what's there left for me to keep on doing it's something that definitely I'd be honest honestly speaking it is something that comes across my mind a lot I think you know as it makes me stay and continue to do what I do is the I, I think it's the idea that it's a creative freedom that I I gain, you know, by doing something close to what I believe in and approach it with the way that I think is the right way to do it. And also, you know, I don't know how many chances that I would get in terms of like be able to maybe perhaps push the boundaries of how people see leather bags or, you know, this can be done. Yeah, I think it's the idea of this opportunity to be creative and also be able to, I don't know, contribute different, you know, voice in very uniformed society at the moment but you know corporation I, w I have to say that working with a corporation isn't necessarily all that bad it's like that if you can align yourself with like-minded people mm -hmm. that you could I mean they have bigger reach you know like you can make bigger impact for positive yeah. things in the future and but it's just a matter of finding that connection is oftentimes challenging I'm not ruling out on that idea entirely it's just that with for now it's not taking this opportunity for granted you know mm -hmm. be able to stand on my own and be something that I believe in it and hopefully that other people will feel the same way yeah well we love your stuff <laughs> yeah. of course <laughs> yeah and people love it when they come in people yeah. always want to like touch it touch and try it. it on yeah i think that there's something about the simplicity and beauty of it that really speaks to a lot of people because it's also a lot of different people who i wouldn't necessarily be like you two random people would like the same thing but then they, they come together and they well they don't come together but they do in fact like the same thing yeah when i've tried to carry other bags here in the past it hasn't had the same drawn as yours so mm -hmm. yours is obviously filling a needed gap thing that existed yeah like i think uh -huh. there's something that people really see about how wonderful your pieces are and how well made they are there's mm -hmm a depth to the leather and to yeah. the product not just but literally and metaphorically I think that people just see <laughs> yeah. automatically and it ages beautifully yeah. and that other yeah. bag I think I'll say I think I'm saying it right Sersha yeah yeah Sersha <laughs> it's actually people, that's a, if I can that's a Scottish Gaelic it means liberty and freedom I do researches on these names yeah so. a deep dive for the names <laughs> Like that. Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite ones too. Mm -hmm. It's just like a really nice, nice piece. Yeah, it's simple Thank but you. not boring yeah. at all. But yeah. also back to your point about, yeah, I think that working for other people, if you can find someone you can align yourself yeah. with, I think that that's wonderful. Like if there are mm -hmm. companies out there that exist yeah. that 
designers like you know I'll do my stuff and also work with you at the same time Mm -hmm. or hop between the two but I do I do think it's hard to find someone who has the same approach to Mm -hmm. business I also worry sometimes what it would be like going to work for someone after so long of being (laughs) on my own own, like what how do I even talk to people I don't (laughs) even know anymore but I mean I'm sure it would come but I think there's definitely pros to being on your own and being the size that we both are and just kind I don't know that time that freedom gets kind of invaluable nothing else matters more than that exactly Mm -hmm. just be able to do something that you can really feel connected to Mm -hmm. it's pretty rare and I don't think it's it's really hard to achieve that working for other people person or corporation and I have tried (laughs) Um, it's really rare to find that connection sometimes I used to I think I miss working in the studio as an artist and this gives me an opportunity to kind of tap back into that sort of feeling observed and integrated you Mm -hmm. know with your work and life altogether and I think this has been tremendously beneficial for me. Whether it will continue for a long time, I don't know. <laughs> it's about taking day by day and mm-hmm. do your best and, you know, and hope, hoping that, you know, you would just be able to, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. <laughs> do you feel like being in Philadelphia, because I know you were in New York for a little bit too, right? Yeah. What is it like being a creative person in the two different cities? I know that we're close to each other, but do you feel like you're more creatively, like is there more access to you in Philadelphia? Because I've, I've felt that way, but I'm coming from Boston, which is different from New York, of course, but yeah. how does, does that... It's or uh, maybe it's nothing, and I won't. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, um, it's such a different time. It was mm-hmm. such a different time for me when I was in New York. You know, I lived in New York for twenty years. Oh wow! And uh, I went to school, and I worked, and um, it was those wonder years of just going around looking for books, and you know, going into like gigs, and uh, just being in that sort of part of the whole scene, you know, like the walk, walking around like East Village and used to be huge, you know, community. Like in Tribeca, there used to be like studios for artists and it was such a amazing, like it's different. It was very different back then. I, I was there like in, through the 90s. So, you know, it's comparing to that time now, it's, it's quite commercialized every single corner in New York. And so... It's hard to compare, you know, that time, mm-hmm. that experience that I had, and also where I was as a person, you know. And now, um, if I go back to be, to visit New York now, it's I feel very different about it. But I think we people, at, for going back to your question about as a creative person, how I, you know, in terms of like getting more opportunities and mm-hmm. being connected. Um, with people who are doing similar things and I think I do miss that you know in New York I think there's a lot more more people mm-hmm. there's a lot more I mean it's, you would people always say New York is full of dreamers you know they all come to New York to have this opportunity you know you run into famous person <laughs> so easy like you would just go into this cafe and sitting and having a cup, 
coffee and then so and so walks in and it's just like just like that is really easy to answer your question i think it's i'm just in a very different place in yeah. the person so um i do miss that time that i used to have in new york mm-hmm. which is a long time ago now philly though it has this like um community evolving it almost reminds me of that time when um back in the days in Williamsburg in, in New York, that Williamsburg was not like what it is now at all. <laughs> it was just rough around, all around. There was only one restaurant when I was going out there, taking L train, it just, you know, it's going into a whole new world and it was very open. I was very excited to go there because it was the spacious, a lot of open spaces and Still a lot of artist studios and apartments were cheaper back then comparing to like finding one in Manhattan. So it's just a different time, I think, you know. But but just to complete what I was saying, that really has evolved a lot. And it reminds me of that time back in Williamsburg, you know, 20 years ago. Is that, is that okay? To yeah, say? no, that's fine. Um, but it's really cool, you know. How do you feel about Philadelphia? I feel like Elise, I mean, Elise has lived around here most of her life. Yeah. So she has a better perspective of, like, all of Philadelphia than I do. I've only been coming here, really, for the past 10 years, 10 to 12 years since I met my husband. I'm from Boston. I think I said that in another Mm -hmm. episode. But I came here three and a half years ago. But Elise probably has a better... I I guess, well, I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up literally less than a mile from the city limits. Um, But (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's closer than me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess when my family would come into the city, we mostly went to, like, Chinatown or the Art Museum. We went to do things, so I don't like really know. Like, event things, yeah. rather than we're visiting this like neighborhood just to walk or around. walking around. Yeah, I mean, even since, so I went to Temple, which is in North Philadelphia, even just in the time that I had been there, just so much had changed. And also, I went to Tyler, which is the art school at Temple, and that had moved from the suburbs into the Temple's main campus, and so even that, it's it all seems different. I mean, a lot of Philadelphia is gentrifying, which is a whole other topic. But I feel like people are now appreciating Philly more. For Philly. Yeah. Because, I mean, my mom grew up outside of Philadelphia as well, and she went to university in Philadelphia. And she always loved Philly, even when it was the time when it was the punchline for most every joke. I think it's cool, and there seems to be a lot of creative people in Philly and it might be because New York is so expensive that it's kind of cost prohibitive. Like a lot of my friends that I went to school with, they're still here. They might not be full time artists, but they're still they're still working. They still have jobs, they're teaching art. It seems like there's a community that's interested in the arts. Yeah. Here. Yeah. I know, I feel like it's so much different. I never lived in New York, but to me, Philly is so much more creatively open than Boston was. I don't think that I would have met so many people the way I have here. Just different mm-hmm. people who are interested in the store or what we're doing. People wouldn't approach you in the same way they would with Boston. You wouldn't just start talking to people. And I bet Philly is a little more like New York in that way. And you were describing in the 90s where just artists and like mm-hmm. everything was more affordable and people were really connected and talking and you just see people yeah um I feel like Philly feels like a very stark comparison to Boston where no one talks to anybody <laughs> they won't even say hi to you like I don't know oh. it's just it's such a different place yeah. love Boston but you know they're not I the really brotherly love yeah, no they're not <laughs> yeah so 
Philly has been very great yeah. for me in that way. That's good. I think. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So, do you miss um, designing bags at all? That's a good question. I miss sewing, and I was thinking about it. I realized I think I enjoy the sewing more than I enjoy the designing, which is funny probably I bet people You'd think be like a production like I'd rather be a, a production artist or yeah like I'd something. rather like I enjoy the I, I actually realized I like sewing clothing more than I like sewing bags mm. I think I was feeling so much um material like I I could have gotten like a couple more machines like I don't I never had a cylinder machine I could have done that but I think I didn't have like the reason like I hadn't traveled probably as much as you had and I didn't know where to get leather as much so I felt like I was and the internet wasn't as um yeah it didn't have as much depth no, as it, it does now like so yeah. I couldn't just google vegetable tan leather and find <laughs> like 20 options of vendors who could yeah. source it for me and so I was kind of stuck using this leather for a long time and I think I felt really limited but I think I don't know I'm just worried that if I went to start designing again it would there's just been so much visual data now that's generated like online and through buying I'd be so worried like did I see that somewhere yeah, else like yeah. I'd be worried mm -hmm. that I would be replicating something I already saw by, yeah. by accident yeah not even intending to but I, I do miss like I, I love sewing it's so strange I just really like sewing yeah. But if I had a splitter, a skyver, if I had the whole, if you had a factory, if I had a whole little factory, <laughs> I think I would get into it. But cutting for me, cutting leather when I was doing it, it was just awful. It's I hard. hated it. Yeah, it's hard. Cutting a curve. So did, were you cutting it with rotary knives? Yeah, I was using a rotary cutter. You really didn't, didn't have hand dyes. cutting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> like, like, how can you get enough pressure? <laughs> Well, that's that how I cut so my good. finger. Yeah, and really I, had, I had to get yeah. stitches with oh. my rotary cutter. Yeah, yeah. For a few last questions that we have, we're just wondering what kind of things are you working on over the next year or projects you've been dreaming about working on or just something exciting happening for Malik? Just started working on new bags. Oh. Um, that's exciting. You know, it's interesting because how I switch things uh, visually, I was working to create really organic shapes Prior to this new new edition, now I'm really looking into something a little more boxy. That's you know different thing. And I just finished my hardware um, piece for attachment for handle. Uh, I've been carving wax in the studio for last couple of days to get this little little tiny little piece <laughs> sculpted. With the holiday season though, it's a bit of a pause right now because a lot of vendors are closing out. So. I will have to probably wait to ship that one out to get into work. I don't know. I mean, I think I don't honestly have like a full year planned made yet. I would like to see how this bag goes. I would love to do another photo shoot maybe because I do quite enjoy enjoy doing that. And um, it's a, a lot of work for one man operation <laughs> to get to that place to you know have all the samples ready and mm -hmm. model and you know you know you know how it goes and but it is quite creative and in the end it's rewarding to see your your pieces being photographed in the environment that that that, that you want to see and and i've gotten good feedback from people that i think people do enjoy seeing oh yeah Photos. They're beautiful. Oh, yeah. I know. I love the most recent one on the beach. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I have to give a lot of credit to my photographer. I don't know if he will be listening to this ever, <laughs> but very, very talented person. Yeah, it's like only chance maybe 
that I can collaborate with the professional person. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's really exciting for me. And and continuing that, I would love to do some collaborations maybe next year. Maybe uh, develop something like I, I tapped into a little bit earlier about creating unisex pieces that could be gen you know it could be for any everybody for any time <laughs> that's exciting to me and just kind of explore that boundaries you know what can come out what I know already and and that's exciting to look forward to but that's as far as I can think of really um, I don't know maybe you know one thing that I'm just gonna throw it out it would be really interesting to do uh, kind of like a collaborative like performance or something like an accessory brand one accessory brand one apparel brand and maybe a musician or or dancer so it would be like a it's like a mini runway but it, it, yeah. it's like it's not a runway mm -hmm. like you know typical runway would be a piece that people you know or it's orchestrated in a way that it's almost like a it, it has a storyline based mm -hmm. you know like a little theater yeah. Theatrical. Yeah. That would, that would be really interesting. Yeah. I love that. That sounds wonderful. Mm. I support that too. <laughs> I know the day after I saw this, even though apparently I was a month behind the times or whatever from when it came out, what was the brand? Were the dancers? Oh. And the um, beautiful pleated dress. That, was it Issey? It I don't remember. It was during Paris Fashion Week. Did you see mm. that one? The one they dropped like the dresses from the ceiling in like these hula hoops in essence, and they fell down them. onto the models. Yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how that person came came out with that. Like, or how they got the model. Everything and so they, the girl was spinning yeah. on like one shoe, but she was being lifted at the yeah. same time. I forget, but yeah, we'll put in the show notes when we remember. Because you should all go watch this because it's beautiful. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Yeah, because that was an interesting way that. It was more the clothing, the clothing interacting with the body and the human form versus just being worn exactly. statically. That's interesting to me. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I know. I always used to love going to dance performances mm -hmm. growing up. If it was, I don't know, my friend is a dance instructor, and I would go to her things or things she was going to or something like that. It's just very calming for me to watch dancers. Yeah, yeah. And just discipline that they had to endure. I mean, it just you just have to respect to be able to like create that kind of like line of body in the space. It takes all this. And yeah, I appreciate tuning in <laughs> if you are listening. And you know, it's a, uh, it's everything is you know. There's reason for everything and. Um, be able to being in Philly and be able to run into Julia at the store. It was just actually by a by a chance that I walked in to yeah. the store. She was here and I was wearing one of my bag and that's kind of how we started talking. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. You didn't know no, that. Yeah. I realized I like have no idea how you guys met. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we have a mutual friend, but that's not how we met. Initially. Yeah, um, G came in and she was dressed really awesome. Probably a really cool coat like you yeah. had on today. Yeah. And then she had that the black uh, bag on. Yeah. And I was like, that makes so much sense. <laughs> like she has both of her arms free. She yeah. can like, just have her wallet and phone in there. Yeah. And I was well first I thought I just wanted one. Yeah. But then she said she made them and I was like, Oh, oh well. <laughs> yeah, well thank you. I think it's just like that kind of like encounter is hard to have more nowadays mm -hmm. and it's I miss that 
Yeah, I know. That's going back to what you asked me about what I miss about New York. I miss that kind of like encounter encounters, and you just meet people that way so many times, you know. Yeah. But nowadays, it's whole another story. Everything yeah. is behind the screen. Yeah, through the screen, off the screen. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Even Everywhere. if we're talking in person, we both yeah. have our phones up or something yeah. like that. Which you know, I. Trying, I, I really do not have my phone now when I actually go out and meet with people. Me neither. I try yeah. to put it away. Because it's like, why not? This is like such a great opportunity to have a conversation mm-hmm. with someone like one-to-one, like face-to-face. How often yeah. do you get that? Anymore? Yeah. I know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, call me romantic. That's old-fashioned. Old <laughs> yeah. You're so old-fashioned. Old you want to talk to people. <laughs> That's kind of I like to do things, you know? Yeah. Oh, I guess maybe one last question I have is, do you, for the customers who find you online, or maybe, I think you have done a few in-person events, like at Field and Supply, I think yeah. you've done that. Yeah. Do you have people that come back to you, like, a few times when they, oh, I really like my bag, mm-hmm. I'd like another one in another color, yep. or, or do you get a lot of new people, or is it more just new person every time? It's both. It's both. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've, I actually have, I mean, thankfully... They do return, which is not like returning the bags, but they come back, which is, you know, I should thank you for that. Um, you know, it's it, it's really exciting when that happens. Yeah. And, um, they stay in touch. And That's I, good. Yeah, and I, you know, it's nothing like really making connection in person. It really yeah. is. Like, building supply has been good in that sense because, you know, you're just there to just talk about it, anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember having this conversation about this group of women came into the booth, I mean, or table, up to the table, um, and they were talking about how they like seeing my hair. Uh, I mean, they love seeing the bags as well, but they wanted to talk about the, you know, change of colors in my hair, you know, whites and and um, which I find it very very exciting because it's like you know well just to you don't see me so I'll tell you (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean you know I'm turning the corner and like starting to get gray hairs a lot and and which is I mean I like I kind of quite I'm letting it go because I think it is a again it's same thing same thing that I do it's like it just feels natural to me and and I quite like it as well. It just kind of gives me a chance to know that, oh, yeah, I am actually aging. <laughs> it's just, you know, sometimes you forget. Day to day, you just leave your YouTube things and you just forget. Like, it's so act mature. That's what I tell myself. Um, but um, <laughs> but anyway, this woman were so um, happy to see me out and without, you know, with the natural hair and so we had full length of conversation about you know hair color which yeah. is that's so great because you couldn't have that conversation never. in an email <laughs> like they, they they would have no but idea yeah, yeah yeah and uh, I also you know I I'm a rather private person so I don't really have any picture posted mm-hmm. on my Instagram I don't know if you ever tried to find one <laughs> but I just yeah. you know I have problem looking at myself so it's it just <laughs> meaning that I, I'm just private Pictures is also different from actual person, you know. So, you know, it makes you embrace a little more about now, which is important life lesson. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so thank much, you so everyone, much for, for listening. Yeah. And thank Thanks you, G, for coming into the yeah. shop today. And 
joining us joining us and answering yeah. some questions thank and, you yeah. for having me and thank you very much for this opportunity gee where can people find you on instagram and on your website my website is www.nolidesign.com and social media instagram i only have one social media which is instagram that is molit underscore studio great we'll add links to that in the show notes too so you can find it yes don't forget to rate and review and subscribe and uh, you can find us at ren underscore no, 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 no. What's our Instagram well, that's the shop. You know, the, the shop. You can find the shop at <laughs> Ren underscore. Or you can find the podcast at Tomorrow Will Be Great underscore. We have all the names. Yeah, with all the underscores. <laughs> because other people take the names, yeah. so whatevs. But ours are active. So follow us, like us, tell your us, friends, review us, all that good stuff. All that good stuff. And Thanks. have a happy new year. Yeah, happy new year. Happy new year. Bye. Bye.